Hi everyone, I'm Vince. I'm Amy. Welcome to The Grid is for Squares. Welcome to The Grid is for Squares. Uh, it's a podcast where we talk about building an off-the-grid property in California. What are we smoking today? Today we're smoking fire! Sorry. <laughs> That's the subject of the show. We're smoking with fire. Today we are smoking some straight fire. We're smoking sugar cone. Sugar cone. All right. Um, so yes, we are talking about fire today. Uh, last episode was about water, so we figured this episode we could talk about fire. Um, so next episode, can we talk about like earth, earth. and wind too? <laughs> yeah. And like, why is Aquarius an air sign? It's an excellent question. All right, it's out of my system now. <laughs> Let's proceed. This will not be the last time we mentioned fire. No, and actually, I mean, I know you were joking, but wind is actually a big problem with wildfires, right? That's part of why they spread so quickly. Earth is a bit of a problem, too. We'll talk about that today. <laughs> yeah. The um, elements. Yeah, wind but, is a big part of it. But yeah, it would certainly won't be the last time we talk about fire, wildfires, um, because wildfires are a serious reality here in California. Um, and we've only built... A little bit on our property so far we've only landscaped a little bit um, but as we go on we're gonna have to think very seriously about firescaping yeah um, it would suck to lose what we have up there it wouldn't be the end of the world um, but if we want to seriously live up there and spend any amount of time we gotta think about our lives but let's back up for a second um, our episode timeline is a little bit shuffled last week's episode we recorded in may blah 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 anyway the point is we never got around to talking about moving your mom out of her house in napa yeah that was a recent development um we got my mom moved out she's been living in this nice little mountain rental unit for uh about 10 years is it really that long that's insane pretty much wait uh first she lived in lower lake and okay maybe not 10 years seven years i think yeah something like that long ass time long enough that like your landlord can't legally <laughs> deduct anything from your security deposit we have a lot of good memories and good times in that house um she do she she lived there before we even moved out to california yeah so when we first moved from chicago to la we couldn't find a place to live because nobody, A, we couldn't tour places, uh, obviously, long distance, um, but also nobody would sign a lease to us until we were in person, and a lot of them, I think, until we had jobs, and Which how are you supposed to get a job really before hard you live there? Okay, yeah, a job won't hire you if you don't have an address. So right. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have been through that. <laughs> um, we decided that because we had this like convenient landing pad of judy's house in napa we just went there instead so we lived there for like i don't know a week or two mailed some of our stuff out there mm -hmm. yeah while we then you know took road trips down to LA, to la to to our places and you know start filling out paperwork and things it didn't take long but it was certainly nice to have that as a landing pad mm -hmm. um and as a halfway point you know if you're driving halfway to what right no, a couple times, like, it, it made sense, like, when we've driven across the country, we drove up to Napa first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, it is sort of driving away from your, your ultimate destination, but... 
Yeah, it's not really on the way to anything, but it was a nice place to go to get... Before we had the property, it was sort of our vacation place, right? Where we could go to get away from L.A. It was like a... Like a solid seven-hour drive from L.A. So, you know, it's not something we did casually, but Californians live in their cars. So, mm-hmm. you know, seven hours in the car isn't that bad. You really get used to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, we had some Thanksgivings up there. Yeah, a lot of good holidays up there. Yeah. So do you have feelings about never seeing that place again? Not particularly. I've I've come to accept that. Life has changed by yeah. this point well, for better, for worse. Um, well, it's unhealthy in some ways. I, I sort of leave everybody behind when I move to a new place. Mm-hmm. Um, I try really hard to just live in the moment. And that's, you know, to the exclusion of the past and the future sometimes. Um, because it, it would be painful to think about too much. Like, we can't go back there now. So why why even think about hmm. it? I have feelings I'm suppressing. Do you you have feelings about it? Yeah, I mean, I had feelings about it when we moved her out in mid-May. Lately, everything has just been so crazy between, you know, all of the protests and coronavirus and everything. Now my mom's technically homeless. (laughs) Well, that's a whole other case. rough for her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's just a very strange time. So, yeah, I think all of that sort of outweighs any feelings I would have about leaving her house. But we did have a lot of good times and a lot of anomalous times there. Some, like, scary, scary times. Um, There was an earthquake. You want to talk about the earthquake? Yeah, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. We had a few scary times up there, too. We happened to be up there for the Napa quake of 2014. Yeah, 2014. That was your first earthquake, right? It was mine. It was my first massive earthquake. It wasn't yeah. my first, I think my first earthquake was the summer that I was doing my internship. Oh, you felt one then? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. I'm yeah, sure it sort of me. just felt like, um, at first I thought the neighbors, because, you know, it was an apartment, so right. there were neighbors right on the other side of the wall. I thought they were, like, moving furniture or something, because mm-hmm. I could feel the couch shaking a little bit. Well, and, and then, then we had, like, two earthquake. when we first moved in, too. Mm-hmm. I looked over and saw the windows, the window uh-huh. blinds kind of rattling a little bit. Yeah. Um, felt like one little bump in the night, I think, mm-hmm. but... But yeah, the, the Napa earthquake in 2014 was different. <laughs> that was like an earthquake with capital E. The biggest since Loma Prieta of 89 in California. Uh-huh. Pretty big deal. Yeah, it was, it was a, 6.0. Yeah, later downgraded to 5.9, but it was a 6. Come on, um, we were there. Well, and the epicenter was up in the mountains. Yountville, super close. Right, like right by where she, her so, house was. The first thing I thought, you know, it woke me up and... Right, so it was in the middle of the night. Right. First thing I thought was aliens. Aliens. You know, that's the first instinct. And then, like, maybe one second into the shaking, oh, I'm in California. This is an earthquake. It's so funny that it seemed more natural for it to be aliens than right? for it to be Well, earthquake. I was in the astral plane, <laughs> plane at the time. Sure. So that... The land of Nod. What would pull me back? Yeah. Except <laughs> aliens. Um... I guess maybe in the second second, <laughs> I thought it was my mom like moving something around, and I remember mm. being kind of angry. Yeah, that's it. First, I thought aliens in the first second. In the second second, I thought it was my mom, and by about the third second, I was like, "Oh, California earthquake!" Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I first thought it was you moving the bed, like shaking the right. bed. I think my very first thought was, "Vince, what the fuck are you yeah, doing?" Right. And I was like, "Mom, what the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> 
and then the mirror broke. Yeah, that was the craziest part. That was when it was like, oh, this is an earthquake. Yeah. There's this like standing mirror on top of the dresser. One of those old dressers pushed up against the mm -hmm. wall, like where the mirror is held on by like feet even. Right. But it managed to bounce up and over that. Yeah. On It still held its little feet on, uh -huh. but it jumped over the desk, shattered on the floor. Yeah. So first everything was shaking, and then the sound of shattering glass. It was very alarming. Very, very alarming. And it lasted for like 10 seconds, mm -hmm. which feels much longer, right? Probably felt like 30 seconds at least, maybe a minute. So yeah, that was that was a weird... It was weird that we were there. Like it was a Napa earthquake, and we live in LA, but we happened to be visiting. But it's not like we spent that right. much time up there, even. But within about five miles of the epicenter, yeah. because the next thing that occurred to me was, oh, San Francisco's gone. If this is what right. it felt like here, right. this isn't a place with earthquakes right. that I'm aware of. I mean, uh -huh. everywhere's on a fault in California, but like you, you know about the San Francisco earthquake, and so to feel something like that, you know, you start thinking. Right, okay, if it was a 6 in away, Napa, it was an yeah. 8 or a 9 in San Francisco. Right, so yeah. we get in the car and try to turn on the radio, because yeah. that's the only way we could think of. We didn't have right, cell service at well, the time. Well, the power immediately went out, too. Right. Yeah, so there was I'm no sure turning on the TV. There down. was no turning on it. Yeah, we didn't have a battery-powered radio yeah. besides her, in our cars. Yeah, her nearest rental neighbor came over and like knocked on the door and made sure we were uh -huh. okay. And said he, he'd felt a few, but that was, that was a big one. Um, turned on the radio... All we could get was a bunch of like far away Christian AM stuff. <laughs> so we figured it couldn't be too bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I think only I think one person died in that one. Uh, like some a couple days later, head injury kind of a thing. I don't remember. Yeah, um, I think it was something like that. Yeah, but there was a lot of a lot of property damage. Anyway, so that was the first you know kind that. of crazy natural disaster that happened to her place in Napa. Then. In 2018, and more relevantly to this episode, which is about fire, there was massive evacuations because of massive wildfires in her area. Yeah, I think it was 2017. 2017. Yeah. What yeah. did I say, 2018? 2018. 2017. So in, I think it was October of 2017, yes. um, there were wildfires um, and evacuations of, you know substantial sized towns including Santa Rosa and Napa she was at work and she didn't even get a chance to go home for anything when she got Shit, the evacuation right. order she didn't have clean underwear she didn't have a single photo or piece of memorabilia she didn't have a single document that she kept at her house like she had only the stuff that was on her at work it's crazy um, and then she just couldn't go back to her house for how many weeks was it? Like two weeks, three weeks? That sounds right. I think like three weeks. Yeah, yeah. it was a substantial period of time. It was a long time. time. And for most of that, she didn't know yet. They had, we found these really, really detailed like satellite heat maps mm -hmm. where you could tell where the fire was, right. but it was just so close to the burned area. Yeah, yeah. So we kept trying to figure out if her house burned down with everything in it or not. Because, like, that's this crazy, like, uh, Schrodinger's cat that yeah. was going on this whole time. Was her house burned or not? Was everything she owned ashes or not? So we all kind of became refugees for a little while. We went up, like, every weekend. Um, 
this is crazy. This is like one of the most developed, like richest places right. in the world. Napa, California. Napa. Her house wasn't that fancy, but <laughs> there sure was a lot of fancy shit around. I think, I don't think there were evacuations in San Francisco, but just in terms of air quality, like it was mm-hmm. not safe to be down there. Um, we got some really, really ritzy Airbnbs for free. Yeah, because, so, beca- right, because of yeah. the fires, there were all of these resources that were available to like climate refugees essentially your mom was a climate refugee yeah we Um, stayed in a couple hotels with her so yeah she got hotels there were only a few that were participating but for the ones that were like she could stay there for free i think the thought of property really matured for me during that time too Mm. it sounds scare the shit out of you about property you would think but i mean we're gonna get way more in depth about this later but it was sort of this awakening to like, oh, we really don't have this under control as people. Um, we kind of just have blind faith that everything's going to be okay and that like the man is going to take care of us or the grid is going to take care of us. Right. For me, it was, I mean, of course it was that, but it was also like a, this is something that when it happens to real people, at some point, you could be one of those real people. Mm-hmm. Like, we had to apply for FEMA funding yeah. for your mom. Like, that that's something that happens to people in to news articles, yeah. you know? Yeah, not to not some, something that happens to uh-huh. you. So, it made it very real in that, like, not just does this happen, but this could happen to us. This could be our real life. It happened mm-hmm. to your mom. That's one click away from us, you yeah. know? We look to Australia and South Africa to see mm. what California is going to be like in a few years. And the rest of the country kind of looks at what California is like, you know, both in terms of fashion and <laughs> in terms of climate change. I think there are a lot more wildfires in, you know, Colorado and Montana as well. Mm-hmm. It's just it's bad all over. Siberia. <laughs> Siberia. The Amazon. Oh, boy. The lungs of the planet. You know, no big deal. So we're going to have a fire um, on the moon. Um, yeah. so yeah, that was in 2017 and then in 2018 was the campfire, Oh yeah. which destroyed the town of, of paradise and killed more people. Yeah. I think I looked it up. What was it? 44 people died in the 2017 fire that your mom was evacuated for and 86 people died in 2018 in the campfire, um, the next year. And last year, 2019, we got by pretty good without too many major wildfires, yep. but I think 2020, we haven't gotten that much rain, and it's going to be a real problem. Oh, mm. it's coming. It's almost July, but it's still it's still coming. I mean, the 2017 fire, your mom got evacuated in October, and the campfire in 2018 was November. And the so, Thomas fire, like, I think 2018 was also the ones that affected us down here in L.A. Right. Just because of the smoke, the right. air quality, the Thomas fire was Yeah, like huge. Malibu and stuff was on fire, and that right? was December, wasn't it? December into it, January. Really? It was this late really, as Really, because wow. the rain can be that late sometimes. Yeah. And the scary thing is we did get a decent amount of rain in spring, so there's lots of grass. Sure, yeah, That's, which will now be dead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's been like 100 degrees at the property in Mariposa for like the last month. So everything that grew so lush this spring is just, it's just kindling. It's just tinder. Yeah. I should really prioritize weed whacking when I'm up there. Mm. 
We'll get into firescaping and talking about our specific property in a minute. Um, but first, we wanted to talk a little more generally about wildfires and what causes them and how we have been dealing with them. Um, we, humanity, not us personally. Yeah, they're a natural part of life, especially here in California. Yeah, They've anywhere in the West, really. Yeah, historically, it's a, it's a natural part. Um, there are, you know, certainly trees and a lot of plants that need wildfire to survive. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's not like humans are solely responsible for all of wildfires because like you say, like whole eco- our, our entire ecosystem kind of depends yeah. on occasional wildfires, but we have certainly done things to make them worse. Yeah. Like throughout the 20th century, we really stifled them. We did everything we could to prevent forest fires and it's... It's really fire come bad. Back. Yeah, fire bad is the conventional wisdom. And especially in the past 20 years, it's really come back to bite us in the ass that now what should be kind of natural wildfires that only spread a certain distance um, just get out of control because we've been putting them out too, too much. Right. Well, it's sort of like three prongs of liability, of, of, of like culpability rather on, on our part like one just general climate change right is making things hotter and yeah. drier two are preventatively putting out fires that we should have let burn in the past and three the actual causes the actual sparks that ignite right. these massive wildfire events are almost always man-made sometimes it's lightning sometimes it's but... natural sometimes it's somebody flicking a cigarette out the window mm-hmm. but really the ones that cause the it's most damage like have been traced back to PG&E power lines and the Diablo winds. You know, they're only so responsible. Like, like Amy said, there's like climate changes to blame. We, you know, have had the Santa Ana winds forever, but I'm sure climate change is exacerbating those. There's also just really old infrastructure. Um, People like our great grandparents age, installed this stuff a hundred years ago. Yeah, the like civilian conservation corps and yeah, stuff after World yeah. War One. Well between no, two, World War right? One and Two, one and two yeah. the beginning part of FDR's term when he was pulling us out of the oh, dust God. bowl and stuff. That's when our infrastructure was made. Yeah. Oh it's so scary. Or like the highways in the fifties, like we used to really give a shit about public works. Yeah. Um and we've sort of just been riding on those coattails. I mean, you look at Flint with their water main mm-hmm. issues and yeah, a lot of this stuff is just too big and so built over now that it's not easy for us in the 21st century to right. replace. Um, well, and it's not like immediately revenue generating, right. which is apparently the only thing that we care about yeah, in this country yeah. now. Uh, so that's cool. So yeah, long story short, they're like these hundred year old power lines we're still using um, there's higher demand on those really hot days from people running their ACs. Their AC, sure. That causes the lines to droop. And then, you know, we also get really windy days when it's really hot. So it's just a, a perfect storm. And if the wind doesn't blow over the power lines. The power lines can sag and then hit a branch and mm-hmm. spark a fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, from there, it's it's all driven by wind. Yeah, I mean, there's not really... There's going to be an inherent level of risk no matter what... But PG&E is, I mean, legally been found culpable for... And had to declare bankruptcy. Yeah, paid billions of dollars in restitutions and fines and then had to declare bankruptcy. And yet they're still in charge of our infrastructure, of Mm -hmm. our, like, electrical 
and gas infrastructure, yeah. despite being found guilty of causing historically bad right. disasters. And then subsequently found guilty for misappropriating the funds that they received for the maintenance, like yeah. as a result of these lawsuits where people died uh-huh. and they gave them money to fix the infrastructure and they didn't. They gave themselves bonuses instead and then more people died. So this year, <laughs> PG&E's strategy is just to shut off the power. Right. Um, we've talked before about how, how you know, there are skeptics out there, haters who, who think we're crazy for trying to go off the grid or just... To be fair, nobody's really said that no. to our faces. I'd like to think we just have a bunch of comments and it's like a war again where what come on what on our podcast you know Uh you leave comments on the the podcast yeah yeah or like letters to the editor you know like we put out our newsletter every other week right we receive many letters to the editor yeah and i assume (laughs) that some people you know whoever's had their doubts um the folks back home might say, like, you should be grid tied. You can, you know, you should live in a house and get your power from a utility company because this is, this is something you can trust. And when your life depends on it, you need those. Right. It's becoming apparent that the grid isn't all that reliable, that sure, if we do it ourselves, um, we have to take full responsibility. It could be a, a life or death thing. Um, but if you're dependent on authority, it's the same same deal. They yeah. might shut off your power just to prevent a lawsuit or to prevent a, a wildfire. Well, and I mean, your mom was on the grid. Her house is up in the mountains, but it's on the grid. Yeah. That didn't help her or any of yeah. her neighbors from mm-hmm. having their houses burned down. You know, we never finished talking about what happened at your mom's house at her uh, Schrodinger's tinderbox. Oh, yeah. Um, it got really, really close. We were looking at the heat maps um, on satellite, and they got they were really well resolved, um, but we just couldn't tell. The fire was right on the edge, and it turns out that uh, the shed, like 20 feet away from her house, burned to the ground. Yeah. Nothing left. The, the fire was as close as the shed 30 feet away. And definitely um, burning branches fell, broke one window. Um few burning embers landed on the roof. Uh, I imagine it was probably just one firefighter at the most. Hmm. Um, well, it couldn't be at the, at the least. <laughs> that would be zero firefighters. Well, maybe one firefighter for the whole, like, sure, unit. Sure. But I think, you know, they had a few up there because that would be a full-time job. It burned the garden hose connected to her house. So, like, fire was yeah, around. Yeah, it scorched her actual house. She has red paint on the outside of the house. And in one corner, it is burned. Scorched it is black. black. Yeah. So that is how close, close the fire came. got. It licked her siding. Yeah. It's crazy. And a bunch of houses in her area burned to the ground. Like... She was lucky. It definitely could have happened to her. Yeah, Maury and I went walking afterwards and just saw trees smoldering. This was weeks to maybe a month after the fires Wow. of tree trunks. The fire was so hot, it burned trees down to the ground and then some. Like, you could see the first, like, three feet of their roots going into the ground had mm-hmm. burned out. Oof. Um, yeah, it was really eerie stuff. 
or what's really eerie is the uh, the chimneys. Sometimes we'd come across a house that had been burned to the ground and it was just, you know, charred wreckage. But in the middle of it, the brick chimney would still be standing. So, yeah, it was very close, extremely close. She was really lucky that she didn't lose all her stuff, only the stuff that was in the shed, which luckily was not that much. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's... I mean, we could... Our house could burn down here in Los Angeles, yeah, you know? Like, uh-huh. the grid infrastructure is no match for the power of wildfires. It's all just an illusion. It's the, it's the thin guys. It's the thin blue line. <laughs> Authority, man. <laughs> um, uh, but, I mean, speaking of, so in L.A., about $2 billion of our budget goes to police. That's over half of our yearly budget just goes to police. Wow. Uh, while the fire department only gets $700 million, which still sounds like a lot of money, but it's like a third of what we spend on policing our own citizens instead right. of preparing for, like, sweeping natural disasters. Yeah, which when I think about, like, even $2 billion wouldn't be enough. If you're dealing with a multiple square mile forest fire and you're out there with what a garden hose (laughs) or like a a machete or something and you're going to try to clear the brush there's no way one human can even fight an acre brush fire on their own right right well and the big tools big fancy expensive tools kind of seem more appropriate Mm. in a wildfire situation like yeah bring on the helicopters Mm -hmm. bring on the whatever kind of crazy technology we can invent to fight fires like old tanks from the military so that we can just drive like a swath of no the police need but no instead the police yeah exactly the police get tanks and tear gas hummers and yeah chemicals why why Can we please spend that money on things that actually make us safer, like firefighting in California? That's just one example in our little town, in our little corner (laughs) of the world. But yeah, any replace it with anything that if you address the root problems, if you gave even a million extra dollars to public schools in any Mm -hmm. city, like you could make such sweeping changes that would in turn lead to less crime, less need for police. So in California, there's also Cal Fire, um, which is a state agency. It's part of the California National Resources Agency. Hmm. Um, so they mo- mostly focus on fires on state and federal lands. What's their budget? Uh, their budget is, I think, $2.3 billion, um, hmm. which, again, sounds like a lot of money. But that's the same as the LAPD's budget. And this budget. is for the whole state. Firefighting in California, the most populous and fire-prone state, the budget is the same as for the LAPD. Yeah. How many helicopters do you think Cal Fire has? Probably fewer (laughs) than (laughs) how many the LAPD have. I mean, for sure, the LAPD has more helicopters than the fire department, which LAFD, which seems crazy like when we had that fire really close to our house it was a relief to see oh cool the firefighters yeah. have these helicopters that can it just was fascinating dump water to watch. On fire. Yeah. i mean it was scary it was the closest a wildfire has ever been to us here in glendale it was like a, it was like a, a mile, mile away <laughs> yeah to a point where like even though we're surrounded by other houses we started thinking should we put together any yeah kind we of started packing we started packing stuff up it was a number I mean, of blocks like 10 blocks 10 blocks away was yeah. a wildfire 
Yeah, that was that was bananas. Um, but we had already gone through that experience uh, with your mom, so we had already thought through a little bit of mm-hmm. you know what kinds of things we would need to pack and where we might go and what we might do, and you know. Yeah, what's important? It's like art, right? Yeah. Everything else can be replaced. Mm-hmm. Clothes. You can't even yeah. begin to pack clothes. Journals, hard drives, and art. Yeah. And the dog, of course. Of course. He's number one. We're number one. He's number two. Everything else can be replaced. So we watched them dump water um, from helicopters, just dumping it right directly over the fire. It was really interesting That's to so see cool. just one after another, just mm-hmm. circling helicopters. It's like a hydraulic press. Um connected to a diaphragm so like imagine a big box cut out of the bottom of a helicopter and then they put a bag and a, and a hydraulic diaphragm on that so they can go to a lake and just um like pull the hydraulic diaphragm and suck up like tons of water super fast and then shoot it out in the same way we saw them like fly into the smoke uh-huh. and it looked like oh that helicopter is not coming back and then, of course, when they dump all their water, it makes a bunch of steam. Steam, yeah. And then they fly out dramatically when they break through. You hear the epic music. Yeah, it was like an action movie. It was really And then they weird. were like bees. They were flying right over our house um, back to whatever lake. It seemed like maybe Silver Lake. Mm-hmm. They were going to the nearest reservoir to fill yeah, up. Yeah, possibly Echo Park Lake. Possibly. One or two other. Um, but in addition to, you know cool helicopter systems they also use a lot of prison labor for firefighting california employs about two thousand inmates as firefighters um and they get paid two dollars a day if they're not actively fighting fires if they're doing like fire suppression um and one dollar an hour when they are actually fighting fires in in the midst of it, and then that's like the best and prison that's job, right? The best prince people that's actively want to do it. It's it's crazy for that. They much want money. to do it, and you have to have like you can't be a sex offender, right? Or an arsonist. Okay. <laughs> Go figure. Um, but yeah, the thing is, though, so they get all this training. You have to get EMT training too, I think, to be a firefighter. Oh, so then they can when they get out of prison. <laughs> But yeah, that's the thing. In California, you can't be an EMT or a firefighter as a convicted felon. So you can fight the fires and put yourself in danger as a prisoner and, and if get you paid find $1 somebody an hour. Like in a burning house, you can like drag them out and give them CPR and bring them <laughs> right. back to life. Yeah, you get as all, a these, prisoner. all these skills mm-hmm. that are really useful, needed skills, but you can't get a job. Um, or vote. So maybe that's something that we should be looking into and voting on as well as the many other things that we need to be aware of and voting on um so So what are we gonna do what are we gonna do for firescaping in mariposa um well it's a lot about defensible space and fire breaks those are kind of the two key words key terms you hear people talk about if um you want to have like a 100 foot um, barrier where you don't have flammable stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in our case, that you know cuts our total area like in half. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I can't imagine. Lot. Well, and it's a hundred foot radius, right? So it's really two hundred feet. 
Well, defensible space, meaning anything you want to protect, you need to have 100 feet between that and the outside world. Right, that's what I mean. So if your house is in the center of the circle and is 100 feet on every side, then that's 200 feet. Right. Of no... Of nothing. Of just nothingness. And at the same time, like, embers can float from miles away and Mm. land on you anyway. So there's only so much you can do. Um, And defensible space doesn't necessarily mean cutting down all the trees. Um, You just got to plan ahead and you got to have a strategy and have a space where you can go if suddenly the fire appears on three sides. Yeah, so dugouts are our sort of main approach right now. Yeah. Being protected by the earth. Mm -hmm. If you see that fire coming and you know you can't get in the car and drive away, you can go to the dugout. I want to have a couple oxygen tanks on a trickle create some positive pressure from mm-hmm, inside because mm-hmm. I do worry about like the smoke content after right, a while. Right. Um, if that gives you pause, remember oxygen is not itself flammable. It's an oxidizer. Okay. <laughs> it's okay to have a tank of oxygen inside a dugout during a fire. <laughs> it's probably better than dying of smoke inhalation. Right. Anyway. Yes. And yes, positive pressure. Keep it out in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, so that's sort of my my design. We have to do a little bit of research on like, you know, how long would a wildfire burn yeah, hot enough that know. we couldn't emerge? Because right. if it's longer than a day, that seems kind of in, infeasible, regardless of... Oh, I don't know. That's not that many oxygen tanks, like a full fucking thing. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. Anyway, we'll just have to look into it some more. But... If we can't leave, we need to be somewhere. Like, it's better than nothing. And it'll protect our stuff. Well, whatever stuff we keep in the dugout. I guess everything above ground kind of burns. The vehicles, the greenhouse, the yurt. Right, right. But anything that we want to keep safe from a wildfire, we can put in the dugout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super stoked after the dugout's complete, which... Shouldn't get ahead of myself because it's not complete yet, but I'm stoked to just keep digging in to have have more and more vaults mm-hmm. off of it. Yeah. And eventually we want the big house to be dug into a hill too for similar Word. reasons. It'll just be more grand and impressive. And a good aesthetic. escape and good ventilation, which did we talk about that on another episode? On the dugout episode, another maybe. reason you do yeah. digging in. Yeah. So that you have a source of cool air. Right. Right. Climate control. Yes. Mm-hmm. The fire is part of the climate, but is not the only part of the climate right. that is mitigated by being covered mm-hmm. in earth on three sides. Um, but it's also about the things that you do plant as much as the things you don't plant. We mentioned um, uh, trees that need wildfire to spread before mm-hmm. and they have... Manzanitas. Manzanitas are great. We have lots of those. We're almost in the range of the sequoias and I would really love to get... Some sempervirin up there, or a sequoia up there. Yeah, the redwoods in Napa survived the wildfire pretty well. Yeah, those are. Presumably, they've done it before. They'll do it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, planting stuff and and doing dugouts. Also, just making sure that the the kindling is down to a minimum, right? Cleaning up all the dead brush and. 
cutting yeah. down dead trees and anything mm. that would go up really quickly. I guess that's it, managing the brush. That's another thing that There's humanity so has, has introduced, even though we live in a wild place and it's mostly natives. Um, grasses have been introduced in most of the country and really they exacerbate wildfires mm -hmm. a lot. They burn a lot hotter um, enough to ignite trees that wouldn't normally ignite. So yeah, I think one of the most important things we can do is to keep the brush down. Yeah. But anytime There's you so many it, little sticks and yeah. brambles and stuff around too. Um, and anytime you do that, you're creating a vacuum. So something is going to try to grow there and usually grass is the easiest thing. Sure. So you got to kind of think about what time of year you're going to clear that brush and mm -hmm. what you're going to plant like right away to take over. Right. Right before the rainy season. So yeah, that's part of why we got the weed whacker and the chainsaw was to yeah. get a start on brush management, mm -hmm. dead tree management for fire reasons. Yeah, I'm going up there this weekend and I'm going to be alone so I won't use the chainsaw, but I plan to do a lot of weed whacking while I'm cool. up there. Yeah. All right. So we're going to try it and there's no there's no guarantee that what we're going to do is going to be successful. Um the consequences could be fatal if we fuck it up. But more and more, I'm seeing there's no guarantee of reliability in the grid either. Right. It's just a kind of false sense of security and powerlessness. But we're not helpless in our own destiny. <laughs> so don't take nothing for granted and go out there and fuck it up. <laughs> right. All right. We love you. <laughs>